the labors of the gods. Nowadays, we hear much of brainwash. The other day, instead of brainwashing, I spoke of brain ignition. That is to say, for a total reconstitution of the brain, for a new building of the physique of the new man, one has to transform the cells of grey matter into particles of fire, packets of burning energy. I said the cranium being the control room of physical existence and the brain being the controlling agent, the brain extending its range down the spinal column to its end at the last vertebra. This is the element that has to be treated and reorganized first and foremost if a physical reorganization of human nature and behavior is to be achieved. I explained, tried to explain, that this being the physical or material field, the first of the elements, kshiti, or earth, or matter, the god presiding over it, fire, has to be invoked and his special working carried out here. The brain thus is the controller general of the whole physical system of the human body. In particular, however, it is the controller and regulator of the physical mind and the senses, the six indriyas of Indian psychology. This is the province of the basic earth principle, this range of material matter over which fire is the presiding deity. There are, however, other provinces and units collateral to the brain system and having special functions of their own. First of all, at the bottom of the scale, or rather the first step upward in the scale, that is, after the vertebral pedestal, is the abdominal system which consists, as we know, of the main three operations, digestion, evacuation, and generation, comprising, in other words, the stomach, the intestines, the liver, the spleen, the bladder, and finally, the sex glands. The glands, indeed, here in this domain are the operative agent and they have a special way of operation, namely washing. If fire controls the most material, the earth principle, it is water, apas, that is the god in this region of the vital functions. 
The Vedas speak of the purifying streams of the Sindhus and the Srotas. They speak of the underground stream of Rasa, which Sarama, the hound of heaven, crossed to come over to our earth. Water, in fact, does the work appropriate to this region. It is the vital region in man and consists of functions attached to the vital activities. The vital in its ordinary and normal functions means desires and attachments, hunger and thirst, ties and bondages, urges and demands. These have to be cleared and washed out if there is to be a healthy strength in the system, washed by spraying the pure vital fluid. Physiologically, the enzymes and endocrine secretions are the physical formations or outer formulations of the hidden vital fluid. This indeed is the function of the deity Soma, Pavamana Soma, the flowing stream of delight, who in effect is the true presiding Godhead here. For it is this section of the body that is the stage for, a whole, for our whole world of enjoyment, for the play of all our physical delights as well as of all our ailments and diseases. Purified, it is the giver of health and happiness leading ultimately to that supreme delight which is immortality, life. Transfigured. Above and next to this region of the viscera, on the other side of the diaphragm, is the region of the thorax, the chest cavity. It contains the most important of all human organs, the heart and the lungs, which means the respiratory and the circulatory systems extending into the solar plexus. And the power that controls it is that of the third element, Tejas, the pulsating, radiant energy. It is the energizing heat, the warmth of will and aspiration, concentration in the heart. It is also tapas. It is indeed a form of fire, fire in its essential substance, a quiet white flame against the robust red and crimson and purple fires of earth. It is the mounting urge of consciousness in its rhythmic poise of harmonious strength. And that is the god Aryama of the Vedas the Godhead presiding over the upward surge of evolution. From here comes not merely the drive to go forward, the secret dynamo that moves the being to its goal, but also gives the way and the conditions under which the end is achieved or fulfilled.
from here to comes the rhythm and the balance and the happy <coughs> harmony of all movements in life. <coughs> the calm heave of the lungs and the glad beat of the heart are the sign and symbol of a radiant animation. <coughs> we now come to the fourth domain, the domain of Marut. In the physical body it is the mouth, the throat, the tongue, the facial front in general. It is the field of expression, of articulation, vak. The word is the symbol. Here is the alert, the mobile field, also a stage for the play, the outward display of all the significances that life movements carry in them, physical or psychological. Speech or utterance is the epitomized or concretized expression of the sense of life movement. This region of the Marut can be linked to that where the Vedic Maruts rule and govern. The Vedic Maruts are called thought gods, thought gods riding on the movements of life. They represent the aerial spirits or energies that lift the human spirit from its purely vital and material coils into the rarer regions of pure thinking and light and consciousness, who spread and move further upward in the still farther and the rarer regions of consciousness and energy. Beyond is the fifth element, Vyom, the sphere overhead, the vast and the infinite. That, of course, is the original source and status of the human being, where he gathers up all the elements in one indivisible, perfect consciousness. That is the root of the divine tree of existence, which, as the Vedas say, dwells up there, spreading downward all the branches namely all the other elements of the being. Such then are the five operations of the divine alchemy with regard to the purification of the human vessel. Somewhat in the manner of the ancients while treating the base metal, they are burning, washing, brightening up or warming up or enlivening, articulating, giving an expression of a form of beauty and truth, and finally setting the whole within or in reference to the frame of the infinite and the impersonal.
we have said that each element has its special function in relation to the human nature. The fire burns in the earthly or material sheath. The water flushes and cleans the vitals. The radiant energy activizes and regulates the cardiac domain, which in fact is the central knot of life. The air or wind, the breath of consciousness inspires the right expression in thought and speech and act. And finally, the vast limitless beyond is the ultimate reality, embracing the rest of the being in its truth and love and delight. In reality, however, the elements in their essence are not exclusive of each other. Indeed, they with their respective fields and functions are interchangeable. Each one can do the work of any other, of all, together. <coughs> they function severally and collectively, and they intermingle and reciprocate in their functioning, even like and following the example of the Vedic gods. Fire can ignite the brain, or the vitals, or the cardiac and the throat region, or even the crown. The water as well can flush, likewise, the brain, the vitals, the thorax and the throat. The radiant energy of the heart in its turn can luminously animate and regulate the same fields and functions. The air and marut can sweep through and purify and dynamize each and every one of the rest, give an inspired expression through man's face, the frontal instrument. And it goes without saying that the infinite, the vast, lies behind and at the heart of and above and beyond all. Without it, nothing can exist or move. That is the supreme agent for creation and new creation, the supreme grace. Therefore, the Vedic Rishi declares, it is all one single reality, the supreme, the supreme grace. The sages give it different names. <coughs> I will read out to you something from Savitri. Dante, the great poet Dante, was led into hell and conducted through it, through its heart-sickening experiences by his guru Virgil, till at last they merged into heaven and found Beatrice waiting for them there. Today, we are being introduced 
into the very heart of hell as described in Savitri, a very real and true hell, for it is the self and substance of ignorance and unconsciousness, the source of all earthly malady, disease and suffering and death. But we know none can reach heaven unless he passes through hell. Indeed, we are told, hell is the shortest cut to paradise. We shall know how Savitri explains, or rather reveals it all. Book 2, Canto 8 The World of Falsehood The Mother of Evil and the Sons of Darkness <coughs> Then could he see the hidden heart of night, the labor of its stark unconsciousness revealed the endless, terrible, inane. A spiritless, blank infinity was there, a nature that denied the eternal truth in the vain, braggart freedom of its thought, hope to abolish God and reign alone. There was no sovereign guest, no witness light. Unhelped, it would create its own bleak world. Its large, blind eyes looked out on demon acts. Its deaf ears heard the untruth. Its dumb lips spoke. Its huge, misguided fancy took vast shapes. Its mindless sentience quivered with fierce conceits engendering a brute principle of life, evil and pain begot a monstrous soul. The anarchs of the formless depths arose, great titan beings and demoniac powers, world egos wrapped with lust and thought and will vast minds and lives without a spirit within. Impatient architects of error's house, leaders of the cosmic ignorance and unrest, and sponsors of sorrow and mortality, embodied the dark ideas of the abyss. 
a shadow substance into emptiness came. Dim forms were born in the unthinking void, and eddies met and made an adverse space in whose black folds being imagined hell. Eyes piercing the triple-plated gloom identified their sight with its blind stare. Accustomed to the unnatural dark, they saw unreality made real and conscious night. A violent, fierce and formidable world an ancient womb of huge, calamitous dreams, coiled like a lava in the obscurity that keeps it from the spear points of heaven's stars. It was the gate of a false infinite, an eternity of disastrous absolutes, an immense negation of spiritual things. All once self-luminous in the spirit sphere turned now into their own dark contraries. Being collapsed into a pointless void that yet was a zero parent of the world, in conscience swallowing up the cosmic mind produced a universe from its lethal sleep, bliss into black coma fallen insensible coiled back to itself, and God's eternal joy through a false, poignant figure of grief and pain, still dolorously nailed upon a cross, fixed in the soil of a dumb, insentient world, where birth was a pang and death and agony, lest all too soon should change again into bliss. Thought sat a priestess of perversity on her back tripod of the triune snake, reading by opposite signs the eternal script a sorceress reversing life's God-frame. In darkling ales with evil eyes for lamps and fatal voices chanting from the apse, in strange infernal dim basilicas intoning the magic of the unholy word, the ominous, profound initiate, 
perform the ritual of her mysteries. Their suffering was nature's daily food, alluring to the anguished heart and flesh, and torture was the formula of delight. Pain mimicked the celestial ecstasy. Their good, a faithless gardener of God, watered with the virtue, the world's upas tree, and careful of the outward word and act, engrafted his hypocrite blooms on native ill. All high things serve their nether opposite. The forms of gods sustain the demon cult. Heaven's face became a mask and snare of hell. There, in the heart of vain phenomenon, in an enormous action's rhythm core, he saw a shape illimitable and vague, sitting on death who swallows all things born, a chill fixed face with a dire and motionless eyes, her dreadful trident in her shadowy hand outstretched. She pierced all features with one fate. The mother in conscience, that is to say. <laughs> 